When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. We'll look back at England's T20 series defeat to South Africa and ask when does a blip suddenly become cause for concern. Derbyshire head of cricket, Mickey Arthur, joins us to look back on his first few months in the role and uh, we'll take a look at some of the current stories in the game. We'll also build up to the start of the 100 and hear Southern Brave captains James Vince and Anya Shrubsole. Welsh Fire batter Johnny Bairstow and the competition's managing director Sanjay Patel. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2. Well, I tell you what, England began the white ball section of their summer with a huge amount of credit in the bank. And uh, when they lost to India, there weren't any real concerns. As I said, uh, they've, uh, they're World Cup champions. They had lots and lots of credit in the bank. But uh, there's been a run on that bank now after uh, losing to South Africa. And it wasn't just the nature of the T20 losses to South Africa, but going down by 58 runs and 90 runs in the last two games. And suddenly um, a lot of that credit has been used up. And there do seem to be real concerns. Um, Jason Roy, for example, 76 runs from 98 balls from one of the most destructive batters in the game. I don't know, Harmy. How do you feel? Is there a problem? I don't know, to be honest. I really can't get my head around where where, where, you, where you sit with this. The way the sort of bilateral series is work, is there any emphasis on it when it comes to tournament play? I think there will be a concern over Jason Roy. It has to be because of the numbers that we're talking about. But I, I, I have him in my team. I still think he's the, one of the best 11 players to go out there and, and represent England. Let's not underestimate what the loss of Owen Morgan was. And this is not anything against Joss, because I think Joss is going to be a fine captain. But to lose a leader like Owen Morgan and then obviously not having the likes of Ben Stokes to call upon, you're one of your Premier Fast bowlers is injured, then all of a sudden 
it's a different ball game. And when it comes, and that's what I mean by comes to tournament play, probably Stokes will be be fit to play and be in net, and then another fast bowler. England become a different side or a better side. But I think Morgan is huge. It's a huge loss for English for English cricket. And I think a lot of people would still have expected Owen Morgan to be playing. So that a couple of you know, just little things, one day cricket off the back of the way we had played test match cricket, they come down off that. I think Jason Roy, if you stick with him, you tell him that he's going to be playing the, the World T20. I think he will come good in that tournament. South Africa look a good side, as as they always do. Uh, but when it comes to what I thought of England, I think when you change your captain like Owen Morgan, I think there has to be a knock-on effect. And I think we've had that knock-on effect. Riley Rousseau is an interesting character and an interesting story, um, Harley. Of all the players um, who signed Colpac contracts from South Africa, he seemed the least likely to return, given the nature of his departure. He uh, was backed enormously by the South African, the Proteas management, um, head coach at the time, Russell Domingo. Um, he made five noughts in his first 10 international innings. And um, he, um, he announced his long-term contract with Hampshire to the coach by, by, via a text message. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he burnt uh, bridges pretty thoroughly. But I have to say, time heals most things. Um, and it certainly um, heals broken bridges <laughs> and he's um he's looked like a massive addition to the South African team he looked very impressive in that series he did and it, it just shows you what preparation if you go into a tournament you go into a series you go test matches underprepared and always sort of trying to fight to get ready for that first game you don't have the series that your, your potential or your set has in your in your powers but when you have a, a series like Russo had and Riley Russo had in the T20 blast for his team to finals there, then all of a sudden you know you're going to walk into the international arena with seeing it like football the way he did and he he's bounced into this series very, very well and he wasn't the only one. I think young Stubbs, that the cleanest six-hitter I've seen at the sort of death and lower order since possibly Lusner, no matter where you put the ball, he, he had an answer to hit it for six. So there's some good signs for, for South Africa. And in Riley Russo, I think the, the time with Somerset has stood him in good stead to, to sort of take on England. And like you say, the bridges that he burned, he would have been under pressure and he probably would have felt under pressure to perform. And he's, um, he's well, his calendar into this series against England has worked for him um, and the pressure that he was under, um, he stood up to. He stood up to it very, very well. Okay, there's a theme developing in T20 cricket now, isn't there, with um, speculation um, being reinforced with various articles in the media all the time. Um, The Telegraph was the latest to carry the story that uh, very soon IPL teams will take over the world of cricket. They will contract players, the best players, for 12 months. They'll play in various T20 leagues around the world. They'll be released uh, to play in ICC windows for, for their countries. Um, and adding fuel to that uh, speculation is the establishment, of course, of the new league in South Africa, with six teams bought or bought by IPL teams. The latest to confirm his involvement in the new South African league, which starts in January, uh, is Liam Livingston. And this is what he had to say. Yeah, it's exciting. We're, we're getting opportunities to, to travel around the world and, and play in these 
in new leagues and I guess different conditions. It's it's great for us where we're going to have to go and play international cricket in South Africa in, in January and um, some of the lads are going to get experience of playing in South Africa for a few games before that, which I think is perfect for us as a team. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're, we're getting to, to travel around the world and, and compete in different uh, franchise leagues in, in conditions that we're going to have to go with, with England and, and win games of cricket. So um, just the same as the IPL, we, we go to India, we, we get to experience their, their conditions, which is going to help us next year in the, in the World Cup. So, yeah, like I said, it's, it's great fun at the moment. We're getting lots of opportunity to, to travel the world doing something we love, which is great. That's Liam Livingston confirming that uh, he's just one of uh, several players who are going to be playing in South Africa, along with uh, Joss Butler and Moen Ali, I think, are the other two who've uh, been confirmed as going to South Africa. It's an interesting story that, that is developing, Harmi. The IPL franchises have more money than anybody else, and I guess I guess money talks. Yeah, money does talk, and I think we mentioned it last week on the Showmanners before these newspaper articles come out. We're saying that international cricket could look like international football very, very soon, where players are sort of loaned back to international teams for small windows, and then they'll be utilised in such a way where they'll be playing around the world in these big, you know, short format tournaments. That's a concern. But like you said before, money talks. The likes of Livingston, Butler and Moen Ali now. I don't think Butler's coming back to Test cricket. I think Moen Ali is potentially could come in Pakistan, but if he's going to sign up for all these leagues, what's the motivation to come back and play Test match cricket? I'd be very, very surprised if England pick him. And it looks like Liam Livingston is is now just going to be that gun for hire to play the shortest format of the game and and not even contemplate the uh, the, the longer format, which that, that's his choice. That that's up to to him what he he wants to do. But it is a concern that if these IPL franchises go and buy, we've got four leagues now around the world which they've got interests in. If the hundred gets sold in the next two years, I can only imagine that all eight teams will be bought by Indian franchises. Then all of a sudden, the worrying thing for me is that their downtime, their, their rest and recovery time of these of the players that are playing in these franchise leagues for the, uh, the big IPL groups would be April, May and June because obviously we're the only Northern Hemisphere summer calendar summer that plays. And that would concern me because you know, England players will be resting during the English season. And if that happens, then the, the first-class structure in this country is gone. Just a reminder that um, Liam Livingston has at least uh, said that he still um, retains hopes of playing Test match cricket. So uh, he he might be regarded as a gun for hire in the T20 leagues, but uh, that's not the way he's seeing himself at the moment. Also, um, we want to tell you that South Africa's next assignment is two T20s against Ireland, which are being played in Bristol on Wednesday and Friday. And uh, we'll bring you live ball-by-ball exclusive commentary on TalkSport 2 of those two games. Final question to you about the England T20 squad. Um, There's been some talk that they're a bit long in the tooth now. I mean, Owen Morgan's retired, obviously, at the 36, but there are still seven members of the squad who are 34 or older. That doesn't sound very old to me, but (laughs) there's been speculation that uh, there's not been enough of an infusion of new blood. I I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we've seen quite a few new faces over the summer, haven't we? Yeah, I think we have. I think I I don't look too much into that. I think with the World T20 
competition or a world ICC event coming around every year. I don't think you you can blood youngsters through because you know the, the tournament literally less than twelve months away. You go with what you've got experience wise. So from that, I, I don't have a problem. I look at the the world T twenty that's in Australia in, in not long time. These are our best players and our best players, whether they're thirty four and Jimmy's proven it. He's now forty. Happy birthday, Jim, from last week. He's forty, showing he's still got so much enthusiasm to play test match cricket. I think our our thirty fours plus will be a force to be reckoned with in the in Australia. After that, then you might want to look at a few changes. But this minute in time, they're our best players. It doesn't matter whether they're twenty four, thirty four, or forty four; they can still perform at international level. So I'll pick them. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. We're joined live by Derbyshire's head of cricket, Mickey Arthur. Mickey, uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, things have gone very well from the outside um, in your first season with Derbyshire. What marks out of 10 would you give yourself so far? Ah, sure, man. Is it, you, yeah, you, always, you always want to improve. What I can say is the team is improving. Um, I think every player has it has become a better version of themselves on the cricket field. I think they've all become better cricketers. Um, we, we're definitely moving in the right direction, and one that I'm very proud of. So, uh, in terms of marks, we still we still got a we still got a long way to go, and uh, probably a seven out of ten at this stage. But we've we, we we've got some serious work to do. We're an ambitious county, um, and and we just want to keep improving. A couple of players stand out clearly. Um, your wicketkeeper, Brooke Guest, continues to bat um, in the top order at number three most of the time. He's having a terrific season. And what a game for Anuj Dahl um, against Worcester in the last game. Bowled out for 130. You win the game by 80 runs. He scores 100 and takes five. Yeah, it, it, incredible. An incredible performance from Anuj. And Anuj has continued to get better through the season. I think he's up to about nearly 800 runs now in the county championship, um, along with 30 wickets. Um, he's he's having a really really good run. And what what people forget as well was uh, we were fourteen for five on day one on a green top at New Road, and he he got sixty three in the first innings as well, under massive pressure. That that was a, a very very good innings from from him, and then a hundred in the second innings and a fifer to clinch the game for us. So that was his third hundred of the season along with two nineties. So he's playing he's played exceptionally well for us. He has to be on the radar in terms of the England Lions, particularly with them going to Sri Lanka. Um, he's, a, he's a kind of cricketer that will thrive in those conditions. And Mickey, you talk about the, the England Lions. There's one or two more. I think Young Scrimshaw could be on the, the lips of the selection panel for, for development um, tours throughout, throughout this winter. But what's been key of, of getting young players from last year over the winter to where they are now, which is a real driving force of why Derbyshire's, you know, fourth in Division 2 at the moment. Yeah, look, homie, I think it's just been hard work. You know, we, we've, we, we've put a lot of our training standards. Uh, we, we train at international. And the expectation that I want from the players every day is that when we come in, our attitudes and our commitment to getting better is, is, what, international, is, is what the international players do. So our standards have improved. And with that, the, the performances of every one of the players have improved. Um, we've got young Sammy Connors very much on the radar as well of, of the England Lions. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a go shortly, particularly in Red Bull. 
He's he's up to over 32 wickets already this year. Um, and then we've we've got another young um, bowler by the name of Ben Aitchison just come back from a stress fracture. He is very, very, very good. Tall, quick enough, gets a lot of bounce. So I'm really excited with, with the direction we're taking. And uh, there's, there's a lot of young talent here. And, and you know, we've just got to keep challenging them every day. Mickey, you're in fourth place at the moment in Division 2, only 10 points behind second place Middlesex. It would be quite nice to know whether there's going to be promotion and relegation this year. And and if so, what you need to do. And it's uh, Sir Andrew Strauss's review of uh, of the English game is sort of hanging in the air, hanging over everybody at the moment. Is yeah, that is. slightly frustrating? Yeah, I guess it is. You know, this, this, um, the high performance reviews is very real. And, and you know, we, we drip fed information from that sort of continuously. It is quite frustrating not kind of knowing what you need to do because obviously for us getting promotion is is key. But, you know, we kind of think if we're in the top three, we've got a real chance of, of being where, where, where we need to be next season, irrespective of, of which route they go in terms of, is it going to be two divisions? Is it going to be a 12 and a six? Is it going to be three conferences? Um, no, nobody quite knows. But uh, we've just got to secure... Certainly, at worst, position three, which will which will put us in quite a nice position for for whatever structure they put in place next season. Mickey, you talk. We've talked there about the, the high performance review that Sir Andrew Strauss and the ECB are are looking at. Have anybody been in contact with you? Because the amount of sort of tracksuits you've had, international cricket knowledge you've got from around the world and in international and first class cricket, I'd have thought the brain of Mickey Arthur might be somebody that, that they tapped into. And if they did, what would your recommendations be for the benefit of English cricket? Now, to, to be honest, I've, I've, had, I've had opportunity to, to provide some, some input. Marcus North, um, he sort of heads up the, the director of cricket sort of, sort of um, input, if you like, into, into, that, into that high performance review. I haven't had direct input from, from Sir Andrew Strauss, but what I can say is, is, is I'm a firm believer in county cricket, Army. I'm a firm believer that players need to be playing to become better. I think, I think high performance goes across a whole range of things. High performance is not only the structure of domestic cricket. For me, I think possibly the, the, the domestic game in England is paying the price for some fairly woeful international performances prior to, to, to this season. You know, high performance for me is about team structure. It's about selection. It's about getting the right players in at the right time. It's about managing your, your national contracted players. Uh, it's about managing your international fixtures and how best you're going you, you're gonna to monopolize them. Um, the domestic game plays only, only a very small role in that. So when we talk high performance, I think people have misinterpreted it totally as while well, the domestic game's got to change. I've been in the domestic game. The county cricket is good. County cricket is, is fairly strong. County cricket is a good product at the moment. And I would hate to see that tampered with so much. I think we have to have a look at the ECB structures, the ECB high performance program. Um, and that is, is where they should be going through with a fine tooth comb to making that structure better in my view. And Mickey, that leads us perfectly into the 16.2 over competition. Um, your, your thoughts on the 100 and, and how it um, seems to have marginalised the one-day cup into a second-team competition? 
Yeah, look, Manus, I, I, I might be a, a party, party pooper, and, and I'm going to watch it because it's going to be good, it's going to be exciting, and it'll be quite nice. But I still can't see how you can play a domestic competition that nobody else plays. Nobody else in the world plays a 100-ball competition. Um, there's no RCC International World Cup for a 100-ball. So for me, it just doesn't make sense at all. And to be fair, I thought the Vitality Blast was a very, very good competition. I'm with you, Mickey. I, I, as much as I think the hundreds entertaining, it's entertainment, but it's show business. That I'm, I'm not driven. I'm never been somebody that's driven by stats, but always being five has meant something to me. First class wickets of meant course, best match wickets meant something to me. You don't even get you don't even get a stat for a hundred wickets. Never mind you know, your averages or. Yeah, runs per over or anything like that. So I I don't mind the entertainment. I just don't see where it fits in with what you're trying to you know you're you're trying to achieve as a first class structure and calendar that that comes with it. Speaking of T twenty hundreds or whatever new leagues, there's gonna be an exciting one in South Africa. Do you think that this new T twenty league in South Africa is gonna is gonna change South African cricket or do you think it's gonna be one that's gonna propel the players into to make them better players because you know, they're all driven. We're all driven by money, but if you put the best players together and financial rewards on them, surely that's going to benefit. Yeah, I, I think it will benefit South African cricket. I think I think it it, it will be a a good tough competition. I was disappointed to see South Africa cancel in in international ODR series in Australia mm. over that time, though. I've got to be honest, and and yes, that clearly needs a needs a. A window in the in the South African domestic season, just like the Big Bash does, or the or the Vitality Blast, or the RPL for that matter. Um, so I do think it's going to benefit South African cricket. I just worry that it 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 sometimes comes at the expense of international cricket, and we've got to we've got to guard against that. I think, but yes, I'm really excited about that uh, that that South African league, and I'm sure it'll be some good cricket. And Mickey, just um, if I may ask you about the future of the international game, that South African league has, uh, as you know, all six franchises have been bought by IPL teams, which means that IPL teams will be playing against each other in four countries for five months of the year. Um, And there's talk of the hundred franchises um, when they go on sale. Um, being bought by IPL teams as well. Are we heading to a situation where players will be contracted 12 months of the year to franchises and, and be released just for IP, for ICC windows? Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure. I think, I think that will still take, take a, a fair bit of time, Manners. Uh, I, I don't mind seeing, seeing, seeing the leagues being bought up by, by independent franchises because... I think at least you can control it. I think I think there's there's a far better level of control, and 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 you'll know that they'll be run professionally. So so I, I don't mind that, but I think we still we still a way off uh, the the franchises determining when and how our players play international cricket. I still think, and and talking to to players that are re- relevant and current, that international cricket for them. Playing for their country is still is still the pinnacle, and 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 I think that will take a while until it changes. But it will change. Yeah, it, I, I I think it'll change, but I think I, I think it'll change after our time. I think, Manus. 
Okay, and Test Championship, World Test Championship. It's a fi- final question. I mean, that's being squeezed. Everything's being squeezed at the moment. Um, the new Future Tools programme for international cricket has been uh, a, a little bit of a bun fight. Um, there's just not enough months in the year. Are you still confident that we will have an international game? I am confident we'll have an international game. I, I really am, because for the same reason, as I said earlier, um, players still want to play for their countries. Without a doubt, they want to play for their countries. So we will still have an international game. It will diminish slightly in terms of quantity, but international cricket, for the time being, I think will still remain the pinnacle. Well, good luck for the rest of the season, and we look forward to you winning the Royal London One Day Cup. <laughs> Thank you, Matters. We start against Glamorgan, and as I look out of my office, it's, it's starting to rain. So... Uh, it's the first time I've seen rain in five months in the UK. I never thought I'd say that. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and uh, the Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll hear from Welsh Fire Captain Johnny Bairstow ahead of the start of the 100. But next up, we'll hear from Southern Brave Captain James Vince and the Managing Director of the competition, Sanjay Patel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts.
All right, it's um, the the hundred um, returning on Wednesday with Southern Brave kicking off their title defence against Welsh Fire at a sold out EGS Bowl. Let's hear from uh, the tournament's managing director Sanjay Patel. Massively excited, couple of days to go. Ticket sales are absolutely brilliant. So we've we've already done four hundred seventy five thousand tickets. Thirty uh, percent have been uh, bought by females, uh, and we've got twenty two percent junior tickets as well. So that's kids under sixteen. So really looking forward to seeing um, that family audience in our ground uh, and also looking forward to the cricket. Um, I think both men and the women's competition uh, are going to be better than last year in terms of uh, cricket standards. So, yeah, just can't wait to see those families in the grounds and can't wait to, to watch the cricket. And obviously last year there was COVID, took up a lot of your time and attention. That's now, for the most part, gone. Where have you been able to spend that attention that you can now you know have basically yeah i'm i'm really happy that um for the most part covid is gone what that's allowed us to do is do things that we couldn't do last year uh one of those things is i talked about the family audience uh but when they're in ground we've got a lot more activities around the concourse uh to make sure that kids come to the ground and just have a brilliant experience Uh, we had that planned last year and we couldn't do it um another area uh that we've managed to do is um around communities, uh, so getting players into the communities, uh, helping to promote cricket, helping to promote the 100. Uh, so again, that's something that is ongoing uh, and we're, we're excited about. And yesterday, England women obviously won the Euros. The women's tournament was such a success last year. Uh, how important is it uh, and how much are you guys focusing on kind of piggybacking on that success? I was there last night and I must say it was... An absolutely amazing event Um, and I think it was great for women's sport Uh, and I think we will benefit from it. We were lucky last year we had the women's competition and it did brilliantly Uh, and I think it had a transformational effect on women's cricket. 267,000 people turned up to watch the women's comp last year and I think it will just grow and grow Uh, and things like the Euros and England winning the Euros uh, our own England women's team are in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, it'd be brilliant if they they won the Commonwealth Games uh, and brought a gold home. Uh, and I think the hundred women's competition will benefit um, from all of that. Uh, tickets wise, what's the what's the news this year? Um, so we're in really good shape going into um, the hundred. Uh, we've sold four hundred seventy five thousand tickets. Uh, what is really pleasing is thirty um, percent have been bought by female buyers. Uh, and 22% um, are junior tickets, so that's kids under the age of 16. So we are really excited to uh, welcome a family audience into the 100 this year. There's obviously been, Stokes has been in the news recently, he's retired from ODI cricket, he's not partaking in this year's competition. There's been a lot of talk, discussion about an overcrowded schedule as the almost fourth format in a three-format sport. Does that give you any concerns about where the 100 may sit in the schedule moving forward? The, sh- the schedule is exceptionally complicated to piece together. We do our best every year to make sure um, that it all comes together in the best interests of the overall game. That is something that we look at every year. Um, this is where we are this year, where we're going to play the, uh, play the 100 in August. Um, and again, as I say, we'll, we'll look at that on a year-to-year basis. And ways that we can protect us, or the competition can protect itself against kind of private investment in the growing game... Uh, you mentioned the advantage of uh, being scheduled between June and August. What are the types of thing, ways that the 100 can 
yeah, ensure that it maintains its kind of prestige as a tournament? Look, I think world-class cricket is really, really important, um, and that's what we're aiming to achieve in both the men and the women's competition. Uh, and then I just think a tournament that just attracts a diversity of a fan base, right? Whether it be young kids, um, female audience, ethnic communities, you know, just as, as many fans as we can get involved in the 100 uh, just means that I think longer term this will just grow and grow and grow. Uh, and I think players will want to be a part of it. Sanjay Patel talking uh, with uh, TalkSport's Cameron Ponsonby there. Some interesting observations, Harmi, obviously, from uh, from the man in, in charge of the 100. And it sounds like uh, they, they are they don't have a fixed view of how the tournament's going to unfold in, in the years to come. Talk uh, there about uh, some flexibility. Yeah, they have to, because I think, obviously, it's still in its infancy. We're still not 100% sure on what's going on with the direction of the 100, how it's going to play out in terms of, is it going to be ECB owned for the next two years, three years, four years? Are we going to see franchise getting bought up and other people coming in, i.e. the IPL mob? So what we've got to look at is, I think it's fantastic entertainment. I've been a, a knocker of the 100 and still am. That I can't understand why we're not playing T20 cricket. Why is it not eight franchises, T20 cricket, goes on your stats, it's driven in with the blast. So the blast goes into and the players draft and all the auction stuff. And for me, that would make the competition a whole lot better. Um, so from that aspect, financially, it's going to help, hopefully, the money, money filter down to the rest of cricket when it comes to grassroots and all that stuff. So there are a lot of positives around the 100, but a lot of us that have played the game See the, the the sort of negative effect that the collateral damages haven't with it. Um, well, it be in two or three years' time. God only knows. But the one thing Sanjay's saying there, ticket sales are good. Going to be a lot more fan interaction, which is good, because obviously we couldn't do that last year because of the COVID situation still hanging above the head. Um, so I can only imagine. I think the entertainment value going into a venue for a spectator will get better and better and better which is only a good thing. And the more top-level superstars that we get to come and play, because to be fair, at this still at this moment in time, we still haven't got the world's best coming in to play our 100, as much as the one I shout from the rooftops and say we've got some absolute superstars playing. We haven't. You know, we haven't attracted the biggest names in world cricket to come. We've got some good players, but not the biggest. Um, and I think that would be the challenge moving forward. But... It's here before entertainment value. I think it's a good thing. Just don't like the, what it's done to the rest of the, the first class fixtures. Do you think that flexibility might uh, see the tournament evolving into the 120? I hope so, Manners. I hope so because then we can then we can see a, a flow within our structure and our system. Yes, we're going to stop playing international cricket around the world when the hundreds on. If it turns into a 120 ball game. Then we might see, obviously, I think a little bit more goodwill and I think a lot more people might get on board if we see the, the T20 blast play at the start of the year, then then the auction and draft for you know, the, the 100 competition, players getting picked up after having a good blast and going into the auction to play in the you know, this competition further you know, later on in the summer, uh, bookended by some first-class cricket in the middle 
um, and some one-day cricket in the middle, which I think if you did that, you'd, you'd see a flow to the summer. And I think it would get a lot of you know, old fuddy-duddies like me off the back of the ECB to, to say, well, yes, it works now. The money will come in. Uh, it's not going anywhere. They've invested far too much into this competition for it to go anywhere. There's no way it's going to be you know, in, in the dust shoot. It's going to be there and it's here, it's there. I would like to see it go to 120 balls because then it goes onto your stats, it goes onto your, your statistics, it goes onto everything that is in your career path. This minute in time, it's like going to a theatre or a pop concert, it's just entertainment. Okay, well, our intrepid uh, producer, Scott Taylor, has been very busy. He went down to Southampton yesterday uh, to catch up uh, with the Southern Brave captains. First of all, here is um, the excellent James Vince. So, James, we're 48 hours out from the start of the second season of the 100. Excited? Yeah, really excited. Um, obviously, a successful season last year for us. And, yeah, can't wait to get underway on Wednesday and, and try and regain that title. Now, Matthew Mott's spoken about the possibility of the 100 being used as a way of getting into the T20 World Cup squad. I know when you score a lot of runs, a lot of people on TV and radio say, oh, James Vince should be in the side. Are you at peace with that? Are you at peace with where you're at, your game's at? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'd like to be playing for England, um, but yeah, I've, I've been in and out of the side over the last sort of four or five years, um, Yeah, trying to just start the season, focus on playing for Hampshire and trying to do well for Hampshire and score runs, um, and it'll be much the same now with the Brave, try and do as well as I can and, and hopefully, you know, contribute to us winning games and, and hopefully another title, but um, yeah, I'm sure that a, a good campaign in the 100 won't do any harm in terms of trying to push myself for selection for the World Cup. Now, I've read in the past that you said you put pressure on yourself the last time you went up to England. You felt like you had to score runs when you've played. Are you sort of just, it is what it is. If I score runs, great. If not, then I've had my chance. Yeah, probably got a slightly different outlook on it now and, um, you know, realise that, yeah, you're not going to score runs every time you bat. Obviously, the more opportunities you get in, in a certain team, the more chance you've got of succeeding. Over the last 12 months or so, I've uh, scored 100 last year for England. I think that was a... You know, a nice, um, nice moment for me to obviously, you know, get that hundred and prove to myself that I could do it. Um, yeah, and in and around that, there's obviously been some glimpses of, um, you know, being able to do well at international cricket. I still feel like I can, um, but yeah, I guess you know, trying to get that opportunity is going to be the going to be the hard bit. You mentioned about being under, uh, going into the hundred as defending champions. More pressure with that? Well, I guess so. I think teams will obviously. You know, we've kept a, a lot of our group together from last year, so teams will try and identify where they can um, try and you know get on top of us. Um, probably know a little bit about our game plan, but it seems to work well for us last year. So there's a few new faces in the side, but we'll look to you know pretty much do a lot of stuff similar to what we did last year that worked well for us. But yeah, I think no doubt that teams will be you know coming hard for us this year. How important is that team spirit and creating that dynamic in the dressing room? from scratch essentially a new franchise has come up I know there's a lot of Hampshire familiarity in the squad but just how important is that and how long do you reckon that takes to create that spirit it certainly can take a, can take time um, you know, I think through recruitment um, you know Chalks and Mahela Mark um, try to you know pick a bit on character as well knowing you know you can Everyone seems to know everyone around cricket these days, so you can get a good idea if you don't already know the person, um, what sort of person they are and what character they can bring. So um, last year it seemed to run smoothly. We got to know each other pretty well, um, gelled together quickly, as you say, we, we had to do. And there's a few new faces again this year, but probably, yeah, strength of ours, you know, we 
use all our 10 retentions and you know the core of the group is very much the same so hopefully that gives us a, a bit of an edge this year and other teams have chopped and changed a bit. You mentioned one of the new recruits announced today I think James Fuller comes in to stand in for Quinton de Kock while he's on international duty. Does every team need a James Fuller? He seems quite un- underrated when he's played for Hampshire. He scores runs, he always takes the key wickets. Yeah, he's done really well this year. Um, his bowling this year has come on leaps and bounds. He's been uh, a good wicket-taking option for us through the middle with the bigger boundaries, and we played on hybrid pitches a lot of the time with a bit of extra pace in. Uh, he's someone that can bowl you know, good pace and, and gives it a whack and a good fielder. So I think um, yeah, three attributes like that are always going to add value to a team, um, and hopefully he can take his confidence and his form that he showed for Hampshire and bring it into the Brave. Just a couple more. On the schedule, there's been a lot of talk about where the 100's placed this summer, but we saw with the blast, it was good to have the whole competition in one block. How was it from a player's point of view to have the, the group stages and then straight into the knockout games as opposed to waiting and then having to go back? No, it was a lot better. Um, we still had a few four days chucked in the middle just to, to test us out, but uh, having the the quarterfinals and then finals day so close to the end of the group stages made a massive difference um, you know not just for players being able to pick up where they left off um, and continue the, the T20 skills but also for overseas players um, a lot less disruption people coming and going playing four day cricket in between so um, yeah hopefully it stays like that in the future and we saw the Lionesses yesterday just how important it was to have big sporting events in the school holidays and I guess the 100 fits with that and the aim is to inspire more generations yeah, I think, you know, obviously last year went really well. Um, I was surprised at how many people contacted me or, or my wife that hadn't necessarily paid cricket a huge amount of attention before and, and spotted the 100 and, and said how much they enjoyed watching it. So I think if we can build on, on that last year and engage more people in the game, then that's going to be beneficial for the whole game going forward. And just finally on Hampshire, they've announced today Benny Howell has come back as on a white ball contract. What do you make of that? Good to see him back. Yeah, great to have him back. Um, you know, he's obviously shown over the last number of years what a good T20 player he is. Um, having had him at Hampshire in the past, um, always nice to welcome old faces back. Um, makes our squad even stronger, and I'm sure there'll be some selection headaches at, at times. But um, yeah, it's, it takes a whole squad to win a competition. Um, yeah, adds competition for places, um, and he's a high quality player. So yeah, really excited to have him back. And just more, more on you, really, as a captain, you're defending 100 champion, you're T20 Blast champion as well as a captain, you've won the World Cup. What makes a good captain? What, what is it about your captaincy, do you reckon? I don't, I don't want you to blow your own trumpet here, but what, what is it about your own captaincy that players like playing under, I guess? Uh, I don't know if they do like playing under it. <laughs> no, I can't take too much credit. Obviously, um, you know, we fantastic squad at Hampshire and at the Brave as well. Um, Obviously, on the field, you know, a lot, a lot comes from the bowlers. But, um, yeah, the more I get to know people and the more I play against other people, try and have my input. But I think, yeah, most of it is just trying to reassure people, back people, and, and make sure that it's a good dressing room for people to come in and be able to express themselves and enjoy their cricket. Southern Brave captain James Vince chatting to our very own Scott Taylor there. Um, and uh, he also caught up with Anya Shrubsol. Here she is talking about retirement the Lionesses winning the World Cup and a whole lot more. So, Anya, second season of the 100, excited? Yeah, really excited. Uh, can't wait to get going. Obviously got to wait a little bit for the Commonwealth to, to be done and dusted, but really excited to get going. Talk about the Commonwealths. England in the Commonwealth, you see the Lionesses. Now it's the 100. Great summer to inspire young girls in this country, isn't it? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, watched the Lionesses the other day and uh, just such a good game. Just the... The whole tournament's been 
been really inspirational, to be honest, to see the country get behind get behind the Lionesses and obviously to to bring football home. Um, yeah, really incredible. And, and fingers crossed that the girls can do the same at the Commonwealth and then have another brilliant 100. What's that feeling like for the Lionesses last night? Because you've obviously been a player that's played a huge role in winning a World Cup for England. When there's a rain break on Sky, the, you, you often see Andrew Shropshire bowling the Indian batter to win the, the World Cup. So what, what, what's it like for them to suddenly... Has your, has your life changed from that moment on, I suppose? Um, I guess it has a bit. Um, I don't know, I try and live my life in a relatively understated way, so I'd like to think it's not a huge amount different, but I think the life of, of a women's cricketer, of a professional women's cricketer, has absolutely changed and, and changed for the good. And I guess for them it's... It's, it's something that's really hard to put into words. Um, you've obviously got some youngsters who are new into that. You've got someone like Jill Scott who has, who has played and worked all of her career to, to be able to win a major tournament like that. I think she was in the Euro squad in 2009 and, and 13 years later to, to win. And So it's really hard to put that into words because it's, it's basically everything you work towards and, it, and it's finally happened. There's been a lot of talk about the scheduling of the 100, but... F- from the, the women's game in particular, how important is it to have it when all the kids are off school when that is the main event in town, I guess? Absolutely. I think that was something that was really crucial to to the success of the 100 last year and, and obviously the crowds that were at the games and stuff like that to have it in the summer holiday, um, in the school holidays, to have it hopefully in it. Well, we have an amazing um, summer of weather so far, touch wood, but like to have it where there's, there's good weather. It, it makes a massive does make a massive difference there's no there's no getting about that and obviously the tournament's starting late um, because of the Commonwealth Games but again that's just huge for women's cricket to be a multi-sport event free-to-air TV that's just you can't put a price on what that does for the kind of profile of women's cricket it's your first hundred as a just a domestic player Uh, when I speak to a lot of athletes who have retired they say when you know you know Uh, a couple of months on still satisfied I made the you made the right call Oh, absolutely. I think with every passing day, I've become more satisfied with with the decision that I made, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I felt like I'd kind of run my course in international cricket and I didn't have the, the mental or physical energy to to give what is demanded of, of an international cricketer, an international athlete. And I think when you get to that point, you realise it's, it's time to step away and I'm really, I guess, content with that decision. It's a new era for England. Especially in the fast bowling part, no, yourself or Catherine, people might say they've lost so and so in terms of wickets. But on the flip side, it's quite an exciting time for a new generation of young fast bowlers to come through. Yeah, absolutely, and and they're exceptional, and they absolutely deserve to be playing for England. I think you see how Izzy Wong, Lauren Bell, Freya Kemp um, have performed when they've come in. You you can see that, that they're ready and they deserve that opportunity, and um, it's it's really exciting. I just really hope that. People are, are patient, I guess, because there's going to be ups and downs. It isn't all going to be plain sailing. That's just the nature of, of sport. It's the nature of youngsters in sport. So I really hope that people are patient. Don't expect too much too soon. But they are, well, those three that I've mentioned are, are three exceptional young bowlers. Just a couple more. First season with the Vipers as player coach. How did that sound? Yeah, it's been really enjoyable, to be honest. Um, it's ended up probably being more coach than player just because knees are a bit old and a bit knackered but I've really enjoyed it um opportunity to work with Charlotte Edwards and and just I guess start to do things that are 
I guess moving on from moving on from playing um, and it's been a really enjoyable experience and I feel really fortunate to have to have that opportunity and just finally you hear a lot of young players in all sport go it's nice to have to learn off the experience of the senior players what do they mean by that what do you as a fast bowler at Southern Brave say provide to the younger players what experience is it what what, what is it to do with the bowling is it to do with the plans what is it I think it's everything to be honest I think there's definitely some stuff around the bowling I could list hundreds of things but I guess nuances within bowling kind of when to bowl certain things when not to how to use the crease how to do all of those kind of things but I also think I guess it's a bit of life experience I'd I'd like to think that well I know I've had I don't know I like to think it's my life I know I've had lots of ups and downs lots of lots of highs lots of lows and I guess it's being able to if it's wanted being able to I guess pass on that experience if a player's having a tricky time you I kind of feel like I've been there I've had that and I can at least um, offer a bit of advice about who to talk to or, or whatever that might be so I think it's both on the pitch and off the pitch just kind of been there and done it to be honest with you. Former England uh, fast bowler, all-rounder, Anya Shrubsall there, chatting to Scotty Taylor. Um, she's very impressive um, and um, no doubts at all about retirement. Uh, she says <laughs> dodgy knees uh, means that she's more coach than player now. Um, Harmi, where were you when the Lionesses beat Germany to lift the Euros? Yeah, I was in, well, excuse yeah, give Silver Black a ring. I was in surprise, surprise. I was in the pub. Um, I played <laughs> golf in the morning and then sat on my usual bar stool in my usual place, um, watching it on TV. And it was brilliant. It was, it was brilliant. And I've said this for a while now. It, there's been a lot of a lot of change of direction of culture, of media, of of sport diversity. A lot of that's been highlighted over the course of the last five years. And the best thing about it is that women's sport has just never looked back. It's been brilliant. Hundreds been fantastic. Women's football has been excellent. And they've produced, you know, women's cricket, you know, the girls have produced. They've played at a good level, a great level. And that's largely down to that that 100-ball competition that we had last year. The the Lionesses were fantastic, but the, the Women's Premier League has been very, very good, good standard and got better and better and more professional over the course of the last three or four years to get them to a standard that they're, that they're at now, which is to win a home um, home tournament, played in front of 87,000 people. Who would have thought of that five, ten years ago? So it's been it's been the, the one good thing about the transformation of society um, and equality and diversity is that women's sport has come to the fore and it's not disappointed. It's actually gone up a level and... I'm pleased for them. I really am. It was brilliant to see. And I watched that celebration when they all came dancing in, when the manager was in the press conference and it was just like 2005. It was brilliant. It was human. It was a human element of playing sport and celebration. And that was exactly what we did in 2005. We looked an absolute picture the morning after, especially when you've seen Fred and KP and a few others, Michael Vaughan asleep on the, Hello, turf at, oh, at Lords trying to give the trophy back. Fantastic. Go and celebrate well, because that's what you play sport for. OK, as promised, um, let's hear from Welsh fire batter Johnny Bairstow. T20 cricket has uh, become probably more science than art. Um, it probably started off as more art than science. But um, 
matchups now and and analytics and statistics play such a huge role. How big is that for you? Um, yeah, obviously the, there is a, a large amount to it, but I think stripping it all back to the fact that the ball's still coming from 22 yards away and you're trying to whop it into the stands or if we're in Cardiff, then you're trying to whop it into the TAF. I think that's the that's the most simple way of looking at it. Um, so, yeah, I do think that the analytical side of things is playing a, a larger and larger role, like you mentioned, with with the matchups. And obviously being captain, you listen to those things uh, when you're on the field in some ways or you do your research before, but it still comes down to a gut feel when you're out in the middle. Watching you in the IPL, it's difficult to imagine all of that information going through your head between deliveries. I mean, is it still instinctive or, or are you actually thinking about which bowlers the team is going to bowl and and what they're trying to uh, induce, what mistakes they're trying to induce? Yeah, it's still very much instinctive from, from my point of view. I think that uh, other people might look at it in different ways, uh, but from a personal point of view, it is, it is much more instinctive because I think you can overcomplicate things, like I said, about stripping it back to the most simple form and taking the rest out of it. Yes, you do your research as to who might be potentially bowling and the plans that they may have to you. But things like, because we've been playing against a lot of people for, for so long and there's been a lot of uh, crossover, whether that be from national teams into the IPL or whether that be from overseas coming into uh, playing England in the 100 or or the T20s or just county cricket, the, the crossover is, is big. So the strength and weakness side of things is um, something now that, kind of everyone knows your strengths and everyone knows your weaknesses. And it's kind of how you empower yourself to keep those strengths strong. And if they're trying to exploit the weaknesses, then that's fine. But you need to just accept that sometimes you do have weaknesses and sometimes when they miss, they miss to your strength. There's a couple of you with IPL, extensive IPL experience. So will you bring some of those processes from, from your teams? David Miller is there, Adam Zampa. Will you, will you bring some of that learning to Welsh Fire? Yeah, I mean, those two guys that you mentioned, one of them has won the uh, IPL this year, the other one won the T20 World Cup. So the experiences that they've got, I think, are, are two guys that are very much in the forefront of the game at the moment in, in uh, white ball cricket. So I'm sure that with their knowledge and experience, it will be passed through. And even if it's just little snippets, snippets from uh, what David will have learned at the uh, Good Direct Titans this year, but also how much IPL cricket is played. And then, obviously, with Zamps, he's played in national cricket for a, a very long time now as well. So, yeah, I think that the crossover and having that experience around guys that are potentially playing more domestic cricket is a, a huge benefit. Crowds were a bit thin on the ground last year um, because of COVID restrictions. But full houses this year, that's going to make a difference. It sure is. I mean, um, I don't know whether you've been to the uh, Principality Stadium when Wales have been... Uh, <laughs> Playing the rugby, but if we can uh, if we can fill out fire gardens, it'd be uh, it'd be rather nice. And I'm sure that, as we know, how passionate the Welsh fans are about supporting uh, the local teams, whether that be internationally or uh, or domestically. Hopefully, we can get um, bums on seats and and play an ex- exciting brand of cricket that uh, that really makes people want to come and watch it. Um, because, like I say, it's it's an exciting brand and for people that haven't been before uh, to be able to come and enjoy the the theatre that the hundred brings um, for people that have been before to want to come back. Um, it might be a young, uh, young kid's first time there. It might be a, a grandparent that's never been before, but has been to uh, four day cricket or whatever. It, it, it fits for everyone really. There's, there's lots of different activities that are going on 
and at the end of the day it's fun that's that's the biggest part of it it's fun and if you can get those children there to inspire the next generation of of them to come through because of that one game that they might see or two games they might see then then we've done our job you know what it's like to have the spotlight shining on you to have uh, the the attention drawn to you as an overseas player in the IPL and as the marquee player at uh, Welsh Fire we've mentioned a couple of uh, the overseas players who are some of the other players in the Welsh Fire squad that um, that might if not surprised, but I'm thinking David Payne. He's been in the last couple of England squads and left armour. It's always uh, handy in T20 cricket. Who else uh, might um, might surprise us? Yeah, like you like you said, uh, he had a really good uh, competition uh, last year, and he's also been very consistent as well in uh, in the domestic game. So like Leas Deploy, I think, is um, a very good player as well. Uh, he had a couple of brilliant knocks. Uh, last year for us, uh, he's someone to definitely keep an eye out on that people may not have heard uh, too, too much about previously. And then obviously signing Joe Clark, he's he's obviously been down to down under this winter, uh, played in Australia in the Big Bash and did well. So look, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of firepower, um, which yeah is all set to lose a few balls in the taff. <laughs> And firepower in the other teams, Johnny. Um, which uh, which of the other franchises look strong to you? There's not many weak ones. Um, yeah, there's not many weak ones, which makes the competition so exciting and so much fun. And obviously, you mentioned earlier about the COVID restrictions now with the overseas players that being able to pick from uh, because there aren't as many restrictions around the world. More people are going to be coming, so the standard then goes up again, which then makes it even more exhilarating to watch. So, look, it'd be it'd be wrong to just pick one side out because we saw last year, I mean, everyone beat everyone and on their given day that can happen because of the 100 being so short, uh, sharp, fast, a split second can change a game. And um, Gary Kirsten as head coach, a good working relationship with him? Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah, he's uh, it was good fun last year. It was the first time I'd worked with him. Um, and then... Uh, he was obviously with the Gujarat Titans as well uh, this year uh, in the IPL. So uh, for them to go on and win it, um, hopefully that's a, a good omen for the for the Welsh Fire. That's Johnny Besto um, in good spirits um, ahead of uh, the opening game for for Welsh Fire. Um, he's certainly uh, enthusiastic um, about the hundred. He's been in terrific form in in every format. <laughs> Here's another one for him to to find some form in. Just pretty quickly on. Um, Johnny, before we move on there, Harmy, um, he doesn't seem to have been rested or rotated very much this summer. <laughs> no, he hasn't. And then gone doing squats with Sam Curran on his back, where a lot of people made a, an assumption that, you know, they the, the put two and two together. Why he didn't train? He had a sore knee. And I think when you are in a form like Johnny, I think you have to keep him playing. I think if you're Johnny, you have to keep playing. If you're Jason, you're going just get me to the end of this series. Give me some, get me, get me out of this bubble. Give me a chance to go away, get me head round, and then I'll come back and, and belt a few more balls and get myself into form. So just different ends of the spectrum. I thought, I think best I was battered. You know, unbelievable. That first game, there was question marks whether he was going to play or not. Got 90 or 50 or balls. And, you know, he's, he's still in some unbelievable touch and going to the, to play for the for the Welsh fire, it's it's strange. I look at that and I think it's very strange. I don't think there's a Welshman playing for for the Welsh fire. So, you know, Johnny, look, he is a fantastic player and he's in unbelievable form. So why wouldn't you want to continue playing? Johnny likes being away. Johnny enjoys being 
on the road, Johnny likes playing cricket. And if you've got somebody like that, you just you you, you keep encouraging the fact that when you've got form, you just you just want to play it all the time. That was Johnny Bairstow and uh, Scotty Taylor also caught up with Southern Brave Tim David. So Tim, second season of the 100, yep. second season with the Brave Few. Yep. Excited to get going on Wednesday? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's it feels nice to come back to a team that I've, you know, I didn't play the whole season last year, but I feel like I'm coming back into a squad um, comfortable with the guys and um, I'm looking forward to being a part of it. And for you personally, it's been a bit of a whirlwind two years or so. Firstly, how do you stay mentally fresh you're going from place to hotel to hotel I, I assume so how, how do you stay mentally fresh and okay yeah that's that's something that's a re- really big challenge and it's something that I'm trying to set up you know some framework around me to to be able to help me to um try and perform at my best throughout these op- these playing opportunities I'm getting but I think most importantly I've got to try and go and have fun and, and keep that because you know the more expectations you put on yourself the kind of the less fun you can have at times so uh that's a challenge maybe from last year where I'm just thinking this is great I want to make the most of everything. That's a challenge to keep that up. Uh, and the schedule of the 100, there's been a lot of talk about it played right directly in the middle yeah. of summer. But what have you made of the, that comment? I guess it's best to inspire the, the young generation of next kids, and that's what it's all about, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm here to play for the play in the 100 for the Southern Braves. So for me, it's awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to the, I think it's the holiday period. Um, I'm looking forward to playing in a great tournament, so that's really exciting. Um, how it fits in with other, the rest of the calendar, you know, that's that's not really my um, for me to take up. But I think it's really exciting. Uh, we've got some great overseas players, great local players here, and it's going to be a good tournament. You've played a lot of franchise cricket. How much can you learn off the world class players and coaches in those setups? Yeah, I think it's it's a. Um, you know, it's a priceless experience to be able to rub shoulders with as a young player. You know, thinking about when I was um, at starting off at the Scorchers, we had some great overseas players and guys that had have had a big influence on my career. So, you know, even CJ um, coming over to the Scorchers when I was young, um, encouraging you know, saying you got to keep working hard if you want to do well. And, and it's nice now that I can you know play against him in different competitions and and I guess you have that shared experience. Um, yeah, to rub shoulders with the best coaches as well. That, you know, that can really accelerate a player's development. So, you know, it, it's it's a, like you say, it's a double-edged sword. Um, if guys come out of franchise cricket and they're playing good cricket and performing international cricket, then they're going to get all the applause. But if, at the, at the same time, if they, you know, their form's not so good, then there's the criticism, you know, they're just playing white ball cricket. Um, so, you know, I think it's just really important that, for me personally, I'm just trying to have fun with whatever I'm playing and, and you know, that's, um, let, let, let that stuff be you talk about wherever you're playing or whatever you're playing. Is it hard to keep up at times when you go to a new country? You think, oh, I have to adapt to these conditions. I think that's the challenge is trying to get accustomed to the local conditions as quickly as you can. So that can be a challenge. But I think having been or played in a, in a ground or a country before, you, that, you can help um, that process happen a little bit quicker. Uh, so I, you know, I haven't played at Southampton before. Um, that's a new challenge. And I'm trying to get as much information about that pitch and the ground as I can. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a great experience for me. Couple more. Where do you rate the hundred as in terms of the quality of player, in terms of the size of the tournament compared to the franchise tournaments you played around the world? Yeah, I think it's a really high standard tournament. You know, there's only eight teams, so we've got a concentrated group of of the best players um, in England, and then we've got some big internationals coming over as well. So um, I'm really excited for that, and we're playing at the at the big grounds as well. So yeah, that, that's all positives for for me to to look forward to, and as a player, you know, we're all excited for that. Just finally, 
what makes James Vince such a good captain? You see, he's won the blast with Hampshire. He's won the hundred here with Southern Brave. Yeah, what is it about his captaincy that makes it so good to play under? Yeah, I think he's pretty laid back from my experience, but um, he's the kind of player that leads by example. So he's a classy batsman. Um, you know, you're going to get match-winning contributions from him, and then I think his information is pretty simple, um, makes sense, and, and you know, everyone can just go about their job and, and try and function like a, the cogs in a team. And a reminder that we'll be bringing you updates from the opening week of the 100 across the TalkSport network, with it getting underway on Wednesday, as last year's winners, the Southern Brave, take on Welsh Fire at the Aegeus Bowl. Um, also in the news, um, talking of uh, other business, Sam Billings um, has signed a new three-year deal at Kent, um, who have also brought in Joey Everson from, from Nottinghamshire. Also in uh, contract news, transfer news, Benny Howell is returning to Hampshire after 10 years at Gloucestershire. Um, I still think that uh, he's the best player in England um, without a single white ball cap. I can't figure it out. I mean, I can only assume, and I've mentioned this before, that uh, there isn't the right size box for him. People don't know how to define him. What what, what is he? I mean, to me, he's a he's a brilliant, innovative, creative all rounder who's able to to bowl strange and and um, successful delivery. I don't I don't understand. Anyway, I, I absolutely love Benny Howell. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that I think it's simply they just don't know how to use him. Um, how they would they would use him? I think. There's a game plan in, in T20 or shortest format of cricket. Bowling at the death, do they see that? You know, the all sorts that he's got when it comes to slower balls and Yorkers and things like that, that possibly it's just not quick enough when it comes to the, the Yorker bowling. The slower balls, top players pick them and smash them out of the park. Sometimes they just feel that, is he, does he excel at one thing that stands out rather than a whole load of very, very good little things that possibly don't fit into the makeup of an international site. I don't know. I thought he might have got at least one goal, especially in the shortest format, 2020. Possibly if we get an international 100 competition, he might fall into that. But I think that might be a long way off. I was reminded, Harmi, of uh, uh, the old days when the first round of the, was it the NatWest Cup used to involve the minor counties? And uh, I loved that. And every now and then you'd get an upset and, it, you know, it was everybody's favourite story of the week. Well, um, the Royal London One Day Cup saw some warm-up games. Buckinghamshire beat Surrey, Lincolnshire beat Durham and Berkshire beat Middlesex. Three three upsets. I mean, I don't know how much to read into that. You know, it's tempting to think that that's a fabulous sign of the strength and depth of English cricket. But I haven't done any analysis at all on the scorecards. I don't know how seriously the first class counties were taking them. But um, Buckinghamshire beating Surrey. Oh. Yeah, it was Surrey. I, I, I looked at the Surrey side. I think Cam Steele played somebody I know well, obviously, because he played cricket for. My own club, Ashington, I think Young Verdi played in that game. I don't think there was many more. Durham had a lot of young players playing. It was a very good young exciting side from Durham's point of view, and I was pleased with it. Young Mitchell Colleen, Neil Colleen's son, uh, I think he played in the in the game. But I, I was on the I was on the back end of one of them horrible defeats in by Holland when we yeah, when we got beat off them. And um, finally, England have lost another couple of fast bowlers. Well, not not lost them, but temporarily misplaced them with with more injuries. 
Bryden Cass is, uh, he's out of the 100. And Jamie Overton's picked up an injury for Surrey um, and is set to miss England's test series against South Africa. So they, they really, I don't know, I've lost count now. I think it must be a dozen fast bowlers uh, who are on the sidelines. This may well happen very, very soon. But I heard a rumour that um, England are set to announce their test squad I don't know whether it's just for the first test against South Africa or, or surely not the whole series. But I mean, the first test isn't until August the 17th at Lords, and uh, they, they could well be announcing it um, as we're doing the show. But why would they do that? Why, why would they announce the squad two weeks before the first test? I'm not sure. The only thing I can think of is if I was Brendan McCollum, I would want at least two weeks to get my players out of the 100. Not, not because of the 100, anything like that. I want them in test mode. I don't want them to be sort of crash back ball cricket. I want to make sure that they are, you know, our minds are ready and, and everybody's preparing rightly on playing against the red ball. It doesn't really matter from a bowling point of view. Jack Leach is not involved in it. Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, not involved in it. It would worry me about my batters going into a series where if my top six batters are chasing the ball, and I know this is the way Brendan and Ben have, have gone about their jobs, but not from ball one. They've done it on day four, day five, when they've gone to chase and tried to win a game. I can only think that Brendan McCollum is saying to the ECB, I don't, I really don't want my test batters playing too much of the 100. Yes, they can play a couple of games, showcase tournament, but I want them in my, in sort of test match mode at least 10 days before we get to the first test match against South Africa because it's a huge series. Another two bowlers injured, yes. Carson and, and Overton, a massive blow. It's a good job we've got Broad and Anderson. It is a good job we've got Broad and Anderson. I played golf with Jimmy during the week and, again, he mentioned we, he, he's got this, you know, the running joke now that when somebody mentions his retirement, he just looks across at me and go, if that's what retirement does to a fast bowler's body, I'm going to play till I'm 50. So, you know, he was in great form as usual. To be fair, I don't know how he was in great form. He seems to be mellowing and smiling more when he's getting older. But 40 this week, he doesn't look as though he's going anywhere anytime soon. And all, all I'd say is about the young fast bowlers, it's a good job we've got Broad and Anderson because we didn't have Broad and Anderson this year. I dread to think where our test match bowling attack would have been because everybody else seems to be getting injured. So that's the only thing I can think of, man, is why we're picking it two weeks out. Uh, one special mention for a really good friend of mine, stood down as Yorkshire captain, Stephen Patterson. He has been colossal for that county, gone through some troubles in recent times, but he is a fantastic human being. He loves that club like you'd not believe. He loves he loved being captain because he loved being in charge and looking after the players from you know, from a, a senior player's point of view. And he's done a wonderful job as captain of, of Yorkshire. He's had a fantastic career. Whether he carries on or not, I'm not so sure. Um, but 17 years at Yorkshire County Cricket Club as a professional cricketer is uh, is no mean feat by anybody. So congratulations on a fantastic career, panel. Thanks, Harvey. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week with a whole bunch of different stuff. But for now, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 